Hello everyone, welcome to the Erwin Mitchell podcast, here to keep you up to date with the legal and financial news that matters to you. My name's Cheryl Palmer-Hughes, I'm a partner in Erwin Mitchell's International Serious Injury Team and this week I'm joined by my client Gary Brown and Wendy Brown. Wendy suffered a traumatic brain injury when she fell around 10 feet from an unguarded walkway onto the concrete below and I'm also joined with Natasha Wilde who's a case manager from AMS Case Management. She has a background in social work with several years of local authority experience working within both adult and children's services. She's worked in acquired brain injury case management for three years and is a trustee on the board for Headway, Salford and Trafford. Thank you all for joining us today. Today we're going to be discussing the challenges that, that you've faced, Gary and Wendy, over the past 18 months in terms of accessing rehabilitative services, how rehabilitation providers are dealing with meeting patients' needs as you are coming out of the pandemic, and explore ways that you or your family might be able to access assistance now that we are hopefully coming out of the pandemic. Moving on to what we're here to talk about today, Gary, I wonder if you wouldn't mind describing a little bit about what happened to Wendy and the challenges that you've both faced as a result of the brain injury that she sustained? Oh, good question. Long answer. Yeah, basically on holiday in January 2018 on the Canary Island of La Palma, you know, the one that where the volcano recently erupted, Wendy had a fall of about three metres from an unprotected walkway. I performed CPR because she'd lost consciousness and was bleeding heavily from her head wounds. Five weeks of hospitalisation followed. She was airlifted to North Tenerife University Hospital where she had uh, an emergency craniotomy to remove a large brain bleed from a frontal lobe. Three weeks later, after the medics deemed Wendy stable enough, she went through spinal surgery to fix uh, a, lower lem- a lower lumbar compression fracture. We were repatriated back to Manchester via the insurance company and whisked off the tarmac via ambulance to Salford Royal Hospital. Uh, After a long stay there, uh, Wendy spent a few weeks at the Devonshire Neuro Rehab Centre. She finally came home more than six months after the accident. And to be honest, I'm going to blow your trumpets here. If it hadn't been for you, Cheryl, and you, Natasha, and your excellent teams, I I really don't know how we would have coped. Thank you, Gary. It's every time um, we read about the background of what happened, I I think we're all very grateful that Wendy's sat with us today. And thank you for taking us through that. I know it's been a traumatic experience and there are still some traumatic memories for you there. From from a litigation point of view, we were quite fortunate that the defendant to this claim, um, who's a tour operator, um, TUI UK Limited, they actually made a voluntary interim payment. Um, so they gave us some money on account to help fund rehabilitation before we had formally commenced proceedings. So before we'd filed papers at court. And this was back in 2019. Um, it has been a struggle, though, hasn't it? Because that sum only covered a needs assessment and some initial rehabilitation. And then um, it was a real struggle to get any further funds out of them. I wonder if you wouldn't mind explaining, please, Natasha, how you managed to prioritise the rehabilitation programme for Wendy um, in circumstances where we didn't have a, an, inf- an infinite or even a, a particularly significant um, amount of money and how might you manage that for other clients as well? Um, that's really difficult um, because uh, when the voluntary um, interim payment was received, we at that point had no idea that that was going to be the only interim payment that we received at that time. So we were unaware that it would only um, pay for the initial needs assessments. Um, so, you know, that was really difficult when that was established because I'd assessed Wendy as 
um, needing speech and language import, needing occupational therapy, psychology and physiotherapy. And that was um, just the therapy. We also felt that she needed quite a significant amount of support as well. Gary at the time was working full time um, and support was needed as a priority um, because Wendy lacked the impetus and initiation to be able to do things for herself and she also needed the support to allow Gary to be able to go to work. So all the assessments were completed, the recommendations came and a support worker was recruited and then we received no more further funds. Following that, Gary and I had some quite difficult conversations. I'm sure, you know, some of the conversations between Gary and Wendy were difficult as well. But we decided we had to sort of prioritise which therapy was the most important for Wendy, which, you know, is a really awful, difficult decision to make because for, for us, all the therapy was needed in order to give Wendy the best possible chance of making some recovery. In the end, between us, we decided that physiotherapy was the most important at that time because of Wendy's physical injuries that she sustained and the pain that she was experiencing because of the injuries. And also, we also agreed that um, a small amount of speech and language therapy was, was going to be needed as well, at least to give us an understanding about what speech and language difficulties Wendy had. We also agreed that we needed the support and that was going to be a priority as well. So we agreed to have 25 hours a week of the rehab support worker. So that lasted three months, possibly. And then it got to the point where all the money was exhausted and everything had to stop. At that point, Gary and Wendy decided that they were going to fund the support for a while out of their own private funds because it was that important, but that could only last so long as well. So eventually everything had to stop. Yeah, it was a, a frustrating time for all. And I know that Gary, you and I had a number of conversations as to what procedural tools we had in our, in our armory to try and push for a further interim payment. And the difficulty that we had was we had a defendant who had made this initial payment to us, but was refusing to accept responsibility for payment of Wendy's ultimate compensation and weren't willing to make any more voluntary payments. And so we pressed ahead and, and the only thing we could do in those circumstances was press ahead towards a trial on the issue of liability. Um, so a trial on, on what happened and who would be responsible for payment of um, Wendy's compensation. And actually that coincided, the, the trial date um, coincided with us heading into lockdown. And I think in hindsight, it's probably quite fortunate and that we already had the trial listed um, for, for March 2021, because ultimately that ended up in the parties reaching an agreement shortly before that trial. And had we not had that trial listed, given the pandemic, I fear that it might have been pushed back in the diary and we may well still be fighting for more funds. Fortunately, though, um, we had the li liability agreement and they did make another voluntary payment. And the fact that we now have that judgment, um, uh, which endorses the agreement that we reached between the parties, means that we can apply and we have applied for further interim funds, because it's going to be a while yet before we have all the evidence that we need to fully advise the court as to the level of compensation that Wendy will need to provide for her rehabilitation moving forward. But the court has endorsed the order, which says that the defendant is responsible in principle for paying that compensation which I'm sure was a huge weight off your minds, wasn't it, Gary and Wendy? Yeah. Well, of course, it was a huge relief. 
Thank you. Looking at that experience, we, we did see some court delays, understandably, while all systems moved online. And as a result of that, we have seen some great progress in terms of the courts moving to online and virtual hearings and the approval hearing for the agreement and the interim payment was online and that happened quite quickly and went very smoothly. Natasha, I was wondering whether you've seen similar changes in relation to how rehabilitation was managed through the pandemic and whether you're seeing a hybrid approach since the rules have allowed for more face-to-face appointments now? Yeah, naturally, when the pandemic struck, it took some adapting to move from delivering face-to-face case management input and managing to managing the therapy remotely. Therapists during the pandemic were able to do, um, with some success, therapy virtually. Sadly, that wasn't the case for Wendy because there was no interim funds to fund that. But I do have other clients who managed to ride the storm of the of the pandemic through remote therapy input but you know going forward it's not ideal to um to do it as as just a, a singular delivery of remote therapy or case management because we need the opportunity to observe client behaviors reactions the nonverbal communication and if we don't see that face to face in the client's own home then we often might miss information Um, So it's not possible to only work with clients in a virtual way. However, working with the MDTs, the therapists, they've now become in the main remote. MDTs are remote and professionals meetings are remote, which is great for trying to organise these things with busy calendars. We can get to see each other more frequently. It reduces cost from travel. And that seems to be working really well and we're achieving positive steps working remotely with the therapy team. Yeah, but despite, you know, despite it, we've, 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 we've rode the storm, we've got through it. And going forward, it will be just a combination of, of the two, I think, across the care sector, across the healthcare sector, remote working and seeing clients face to face. Thank you. Yes, I do hope that now that we are moving out of the pandemic and in light of the further voluntary payment that we were able to negotiate for you, um, Wendy. We have been able to put that to good use and I wondered whether you wouldn't mind describing for us, please, Gary, what changes you've seen in Wendy's ability to function on a day-to-day basis as a result of that multidisciplinary team input, please. Yeah, of course, Cheryl. Well, it's obviously still a very long road to to, to recovery and what Wendy's new uh, maximum potential may be, but I've seen incremental improvement changes even I've seen that, and I'm with Wendy 24-7. And for those that see Wendy seldom, they're clearly obvious to them the improvement she's made. Her mood's definitely improved. Her social interactions through speech and language therapy uh, have improved. Eye contact, for example, initiating conversations. Her core strength and balance uh, are much better through uh, the physio input. Structure of her daily life is 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 coming together. It's been much stronger with the introduction of occupational therapy. And Wendy still doesn't have a full grip on the physical and mental deficiencies she still has following injuries. So the neuropsychologist therapy is 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 trying to address that. And 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 the the whole host of other cognitive issues she she still has. Thank you, Gary. I think it's safe to say that we, we've seen huge progress, but I think there's a there's a long way to go, isn't there, in terms of embedding this team and moving forward with it? Definitely. Is there anything that you wanted to add, Wendy? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm okay. I feel as if I'm doing well. But then there's days I have and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is horrible. <laughs> but no, we're getting, we're, I think we're getting there. But I know it's going to be a long, long, long way away. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you've discussed some of this and touched on it previously, Natasha, but I just wonder whether there's any other comments that you wanted to add in terms of how how people can overcome periods where there might not be access to rehabilitation, either because of pandemic or it might be because of a lack of funds, an uncooperative defendant, or, or there might not be a defendant. What are your thoughts on that, please? Well, there's no replacement for having insufficient funds um, and holistic therapeutic approach, um, but it's just about being creative, I suppose, thinking outside the box, communicating with the client, finding out what's important to them, what are their needs, what goals would they like to achieve in, in a priority to other goals. And it's just about finding a way that meets their need in some way, whether that's light touch um, to telephone calls. But, you know, all in all, if therapists therapists can deliver their um, therapy remotely and that is successful and it works with that particular client, then I would expect them to be doing that if they can um, to reduce costs. And considering that when they're doing their assessments going forward, can therapy be delivered in another way that isn't going to cost as much as it did, you know, a few years ago? So just keeping costs to a minimal, really. Well, that's the best way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you all for um, for talking with me today. I think that's about it for today. Um, if anyone would like to read more about what we've discussed, then please do visit our website. Um, and if you find it interesting, then please join us for our next episode. Speak soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank bye. you. Bye. bye. Thank you.